I'm Ryan Krofchek. Welcome to the Opera House Story Sessions, a podcast that brings you the histories and the folklore of the people who carried and continue to carry the music born out of these hills and hollers. On this episode, we're going back to February 2021. Sit down with Pocahontas County fiddle player Jake Crack. Now, Jake performed a couple tunes in an empty opera house while our production team filmed and recorded. When we were recording, it was already about a year into the pandemic. So even though Jake says he likes the break from performing at the end of the year, this pandemic-induced break is a little more than he had in mind. This was a bit much. And yeah. as all musicians, if it's forced upon you, you hate it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any Anytime, I've always said, if you, if you tell me I have to do something, I'm going to hate to do yeah. it. Jake Crack is easily one of the most decorated fiddle players in the competition world. He's won everything from the Vandalia Gathering in Charleston, West Virginia, to the Galax Fiddle Convention in Galax, Virginia, which is one of the world's oldest fiddle competitions, dating back to about 1935. But Jake says that back before the pandemic, he had started to grow out of these competitions. Recently, I've kind of just been over it. Yet, as the saying goes uh, in the song lyric, you don't know what you you've got until it's gone. I found myself this year, you're like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to have a little bit of competition and, you know, to be playing against somebody and seeing everybody else is checking out for the year. And yeah, it's something you miss uh, and you don't realize it, just like all good things. Yeah. His years of studying with old-time players like Melvin Wine or Lester McCumbers got in his blood. But not everyone who lives and breathes Appalachian old-time music is actually from here. And anyways, so Jake, like most musicians playing for a living, is never in one place for too long. So it's fitting that his most recent project was converting an old school bus into his living quarters. Well, I, I live in a bus on the road. I bought a school okay. bus this summer and uh, spent the summer converting it for a place to stay while I'm working or hang out while I'm working. That's cool. But I live up the street here in Marlington. Uh, That's cool. Lived here longer than I've lived in a school bus. Okay, okay. I seem to find myself in mobile vehicles. Well, you know, a lot of musicians are kind of transient most times anyways. Uh, But you do have a wife. Don't ask my in-laws about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are they not happy about it? No, they're fine. But (laughs) I think when I met my wife, I was mobile at the time. Yeah, as most musicians are. Yeah. Uh, so, So you're not from Pocahontas County then? No, nope. uh, I grew up in Calhoun County. Calhoun County. Uh, central part of West Virginia. Okay. And that's where a lot of my musical influences, what my West Virginia musical influences lived. One was in Braxton County and one was Calhoun County. Okay. And, and your parents aren't from West Virginia either? Nope. Okay. Uh, them and myself, we were born in Indiana. Okay. And uh, started traveling here to learn West Virginia music. And, you know, I give all credit to my parents. They dedicated their time to doing what I was interested in and they were traveling here regularly and thought hell we love it here okay and we're spending all our time here let's move here and so we did and so just music has its way and spent most of my time in central West Virginia and 
meeting musicians from all over West Virginia and came familiar with the Bing Brothers. And Yeah, if you stay around here long enough, you're bound to run into the Bing Brothers. Now, the Bing Brothers made their way to Pocahontas County about half a century ago. Their father would bring them up to hunt and fish near the Williams River, and that's where they met the Hammonds family. Once the Bings were introduced to the Hammonds, they were hooked on learning this old-time music straight from the source. And so the Bings continue to pass down these songs through an old-time camp called Allegheny Echoes. This is held at the Marlington Motor Inn for about one week in June, and people come from all over the world to learn from the masters of old-time Mike invited me here as Echoes, and as an adult, I came here and loved it. And it didn't take long for me to figure out. It's like, man, you know, Pokemon's County, that's where I want to be. It's, it's a generational road. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, your your parents kind of had the first spark and idea. Well, of, and they wanted to be here because it was the did. mountains of West Virginia. And so then I decided this is where I really wanted to be. So we know that music has led Jake to Pocahontas County, but could there be something that keeps him here? Maybe a special lady? Well, it all started with a blind date to a wedding. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on a blind date. <laughs> And I got pushed about it and pushed about it, and I kept saying no, and finally I gave in, and uh, that's my wife these days. Okay. My wife had always lived in Pocahontas County and been from here, and it was real easy and natural for us to settle here, and uh, we've made a life of it and love it here. And Yeah. You don't see yourself going anywhere anytime soon? No. But what is it, what is it really about this area that, that really draws you to it, um, you know, and that you know, inspires you to play the kind of music that you play? Well, you know, I think it really resonates for me because I remember conversations when I was younger and my parents were wanting to move from Indiana to here. We lived out in the country in Indiana, but my parents saw West Virginia as a place that was a step back in time. Yeah. And yeah. in the richest way. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved here, it was their thought that I would not be rushed into some of the things that, Southern Indiana was rushing into, and the the influences of Allegheny Echoes and the Hammonds family have created a you know a nest of yeah. music for people around the country, absolutely, and people within the state. Um, earlier in your set, you were playing one of the Hammonds family tunes, and you were talking a little bit about just sitting on the front porch. Uh, outside of the Williams River. And I think that's like part of what you were saying of like what draws you here is like that step back. You know, it's 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 knowing that the, the Williams River has always flowed the same way and that, you know, you, you can get out there any day and, and just kind of take that moment that has been the same moment for hundreds and hundreds of years and to have a fiddle tune being played or to play that fiddle tune, yeah, it almost kind of transports you back into that era. That was a tune called Hannah at the Spring House. And that comes from a fiddler I spent a lot of time with named Melvin Wine. 
And uh, so recently started thinking about different ways to inspire myself to play music at home uh, with nobody else around other than my wife and my kid. But I started thinking about stories from Melvin Wine about for 20 years he quit playing music because he needed to work and provide. He had nine kids and so there was no time for music and no time for going out and playing. And he had a grandkid around and the grandkid would never behave and would never settle down. And he tried everything. He tried whooping her and and bribing her and threatening her and just nothing would, would do anything. And so he thought, you know, I've got this fiddle. And he said, I've got this gift and I'm gonna get the fiddle out and try to play. And so he got the fiddle out and it instantly had an effect on her. And there's even a, somebody did a painting of this scenario and you know there's so there's a, a famous painting of melvin with a young girl playing and um not that i have any of those problems with my kid because <laughs> she's an angel but um started thinking about that and the other night when i came home from work i thought well, I'd, I'd play her some music to ease it or sleep from the excitement of me coming home got my fiddle out and i tuned it down low Normally, you know, I have it tuned at standard tuning, but I tuned it down low so it was quieter and mellower and played her a couple real quiet, haunting tunes, and it was two tunes in, and the music that normally excites her and gets her riled up had her eased in and ready to go to bed and eyes closed. and So it made me really reflect on that gift of Melvin's and that story that he shared with me when I was a boy that had no real meaning to me as a teenager that I 100% understand now. Uh, so that was a pretty neat cycle that I hadn't really ever experienced. pretty easy to get you know in a sort of a trance of just playing a song the trance yes or playing a tune and, yeah. and not really recognizing its history or or okay. where you learned it from but from time to time i think what really keeps it going for me at least is that being in the places or the natural surroundings of where these tunes were formed and hearing those tunes um without thinking about performing them. I think this is one of the first tunes I ever learned that uh, came from the Hammonds family here in Pocahontas County. It's just a really cool tune, and I can imagine playing it solo uh, on the Williams River and stuff. So this is a tune called Fine Times at Our House. So playing them and performing them is one thing, 
and playing them and hearing them, how you play them is another thing. And I've taught at Allegheny Echoes and a lot of times I take my class somewhere away from the motor in. That's cool. To teach them on their last day of class. Yeah. Whether it be Bear Town or whether it be on the Highland Scenic Highway or on the Williams River or whatever, I take them out somewhere in the natural surroundings of the music and get away from the buildings and the people and the hustle and the bustle and, and teach them the music. And it always has a deep appreciation mm-hmm. amongst the students mm-hmm. and myself as well. Um, yeah. I recently went to Beartown and played for to record for somebody. All right. Suppose you're not familiar with Beartown. It's a state park where these twisty boardwalks kind of peer off the sides of these moss-covered cliffs. And these are sandstone cliffs that began forming about 300 million years ago. There's this certain kind of richness that the age brings to a recording, in a richness that both Jake and the folks that he was playing for could feel. And, you know, and it was just astounding to them to think about the music on the boardwalk about Beartown. Yeah. Because they were like, well, where can we do this real quick? And in the times of COVID, I was trying to think about side places. And I was like, well, let's go to Beartown. And we got there and they were astounded by the natural acoustics wow. of the rocks and the trees and the wow. boardwalk and everything. And it was unbelievable to them. And it's only because I had taken a class there and taught them that I was, you know, privy to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the natural earth is the greatest place for the sound of a fiddle. Yeah. And it's, this is the greatest place for it. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if a lot of that, you know, just the natural beauty of Pocahontas County through hundreds and hundreds of years, like if that's the original inspiration of a lot of this music and, and it's kind of continued to be the inspiration for people that, have, that are coming back or people that are discovering this place. Well, and you know, as as natural as music is to be performed, you know, it's very natural to be solitary. Yeah. And Pocahontas County and the mountains and the forest, I mean, it just provides a solitary environment to right. to be personally and then mm-hmm. musically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Like how these hills and valleys can hold the tunes of our people. The elders in our community, they hold the secrets. They know the little tricks of playing these tunes just right. And that's something that you won't learn from YouTube. For Jake, he started learning from the master so long ago. He said it almost felt like another life he's lived. Started getting introduced to old time music around the age of nine or ten. And it was almost like thrust upon you because your dad was a fiddle a maker. Well, I mean, he was dad was trying to teach himself how to learn and he didn't actually okay. he started learning how to make fiddles after I started playing them. Okay. Really? Um but because dad was interested, it got me interested as a young kid. Yeah. And I happened to live in an area that people were interested in West Virginia traditional music. Yeah. Yeah. And so once I was introduced to the right person, my teacher, Brad Leftwich, who uh, was knowledgeable and passionate about West Virginia music and music of Appalachia, really, North Carolina, whatever. Right. Um, It got me flowing in this direction. And, you know, I didn't understand it fully as a 10-year-old. Right. But, you know... The, the people who I was exposed to were dying to share their music with somebody 
who was willing to absorb it. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know that I was willing to absorb it. I was just absorbing it. They recognized it. And it immediately became something that was giving and taking. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys were giving me everything that they had to give, and I was taking it up. And as recently for me become evident that, like, that was a period in my life that felt like a lifetime in itself. I bet. I mean, hanging out with 70, 80, and 90-year-olds. When you're 10. Or... As a teenager, yeah. you know, yeah. it, that time period feels like an in, in incredibly different lifetime than what I'm in today. Right. And I'm, you know, still under 40 years old. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the time that I spent with those guys was an entire lifetime because they're all passed on. Right. And it's taken me years to deal with that and feel comfortable playing with their music freely and, and... Now that they're passed on. And I, you know... They all trusted me to teach their music to somebody else, and I've shared their music and, and taught to those who I can. And yeah. now that I have my own daughter and sharing those stories with her and those experiences with her, it, it just feels like a different life. And it's just recently I've really thought about it and that the fact that from the age of 10 to 20, feels like a life I experienced separate from the life that I've lived in entirety. And, yeah. you know, it all, it all unfolds in the way it's going to, mm-hmm. but it's more visible now that, mm-hmm. you know, I'll share it with my daughter if that's what she's into, but it, I mean, if she wants to play any other genre of music and any other instrument than the yeah. fiddle, then by, by all means do it. Yeah. The one thing I've learned from all the fiddlers I've learned from is they were all told to not touch the fiddle and to stay as far away from it as possible. What and do you mean by that? That's what their dads, who all played the fiddles and owned fiddles, because the fiddle oh. was a prized possession. Okay. And it was something that was put away and it was kept in a dresser drawer or yes. a felt sack or yeah. whatever. And, you know, they were all to- told, you stay away from that. Yeah. That is not yours. Yeah. That is fragile. That's what gave them the drive. They say, and they, they're all old fiddlers that yeah. I learned from. Yeah, and don't so tell me what to do. Everybody know? asks me, you know, are you teaching your daughter? Or do you have, and she has a fiddle that is accessible to her. And we've had a handful of sit downs. I'm not pushing it on her. Yeah. I have no desire to push it on her. If she wants to learn it, she'll learn it. If she doesn't, yeah. Fine. I think that's important. I think uh, she discovers her own path. She's going to be around it because that's what I do. Sure. Um, but she'll figure it out one way or the other. Now, do you think that those days of old men sitting on the porch and passing down tunes are over? No. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it still it hasn't quit, and it's, it won't. Yeah. might happen in different ways. might not be as might be romantic as it was in one day, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's still there. And yeah. for anybody who wants to go find it, it's there. This has been an Opera House Story Session. This podcast is produced by me, Ryan Krofcheck, and Emily Chen-Newton of Figure Podcasts. 
I'd like to thank my guests Jake Crack and Bryn Cusick, as well as the entire Opera House Foundation for their guidance on this series, which is funded in part by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the Snowshoe Foundation, West Virginia Department of Arts, Culture, and History, and by listeners and supporters like you. If you've enjoyed the Opera House Story Sessions, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as give us a like, subscribe, and share. Check out more episodes on our website at pocahontasoperahouse.org. The theme music is from the Black Mountain Bluegrass Boys, and this episode features music from the one and only Jake Crack. <laughs>